blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. It's good to gather together one more time. One more time closer to eternity. Amen. Hallelujah. We're looking forward to that. <laughs> Amen. Good to see you all. God bless every God bless you to everyone that's joined with us. Just turn it down a little bit up here, please, brother. Maybe we could just sing, I want to take a little time to shout glory, glory, glory. Kiebeth. I just want to take a little bit of time. A little bit. 
let's give the Lord a hand clap. He is worthy. Worthy of all glory. Worthy of all honor and all praise. Amen. Aren't you glad he set you free? Maybe we could stand together and we'll sing that together. Same key, key of F. I'm so glad that Jesus set me free. And I'm so glad that Jesus set me free. Yeah. 
Jesus, thank you for singing so well. I just, I was coming to church this evening and I was just telling the devil, you know what? I'm going to sing with all my heart. I'm going to praise the Lord with all my heart. You've been fighting me with all you got all week long, but I'm going to church and I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to put this flesh down under my feet, no matter what it feels like, and I'm going to praise the Lord. So it's good to praise the Lord together. Amen. Hallelujah. I just want to please the Lord. I just want to please the Lord. Lovely words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Brother Gilbert writes a testimony in. He's some time back. We requested prayer for my dad, who was very sick, and we want to give thanks. He is much better now. He's walking, talking, eating well, and not in pain. We thank God for the healing of our brother and we thank he says thank you for the prayers so we just praise God with our brother Gilbert for being gracious unto his father God is not hindered by time or space or distance his prayers are the prayers of the saints are heard by our father and he's a miracle working God sister Cheryl Goss is requesting prayer for healing for her father and also for her step-uncle, Chris. Her stepmother has been looking after the two of them, and she is, Sister Cheryl is requesting prayer for her as well as for her strength during this time. So healing for her father and her uncle and uh, her step-uncle and her stepmother for strength. So we just want to remember that need before the throne of grace. And I, Brother Mike Ganya, could I ask you to come and take us to the throne of grace and prayer. Just up. I want to continue to remember our brother Tom and, and the different needs in the body. God bless you, my brother. Break and we sing. Uh... 
I surrender all. Just a chorus, once or twice. we could be called by your name, Lord Jesus. All the family in heaven and earth is called by thy name. You are wonderful, Lord God, and you are worthy of all our praise. The praise, Lord, that comes from a life lived for you, O God. We're unworthy, Lord, to walk this way, but you have called us, Lord, in such a time as this, Lord. Lord, to be on display in this day and age, Lord, though Our flesh falters and fails and fights us, Lord. Our desire is Thee, O God. Our desire is to surrender our all, O God. Lord, to just drop this flesh, as our brother Nathan was saying, put it in subjection and under our feet. Come and worship You and live for You and be pleasing to You in everything, O God. Lord, You are worthy of our time. You are worthy of our very life, O God. And we just want to keep ourselves in your presence and under your will, O God. And Father, we ask you for these things as we have had penned down here, Lord Jesus, for our sister Cheryl Gosford, Lord, her father and her step-uncle, Lord, for the caregiver, Lord. Lord, it's just a difficult time, Lord Jesus, to be very taxing, Lord, to be giving out and Lord, we just pray that you would strengthen her, Lord, and that you would minister as you did to our brother Gilbert's dad, Lord. Just bring that healing, O God. Healing is in thy name, O Lord. Father, you've never diminished in an attribute, and you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and healing is ours. Lord, we claim it, O God, and it is for those that bring it to us, Lord, as a request to you, Father. We stand before you and we claim them. In your name, Lord Jesus Christ, because, oh God, you promised it, Lord. It is ours. We thank you for this time together once again, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, we just don't come here to be seen or to be heard or anything else, Lord. Lord, we just come, Lord, to worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth, oh God. Thy word is truth, oh God. We thank you for these things. We ask you, precious Lord, in your name, your holy name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We've got a special tonight. Brother Matthew Wilson is going to come and sing for us. Maybe you can have your seats while he's coming. Maybe we can sing, I am redeemed, bought with a price. I am redeemed by
This could be the dawning. Tomorrow morning we could be shaking hands with our loved ones and those that have gone before. It's not just a pipe dream, it's a reality. Amen. Brother Mike Ray is going to speak with us for us tonight. We're going to invite him to come. While he comes, maybe we could sing Lily of the Valley, let your sweet aroma fill my life. Lily of the valley, let your sweet aroma fill my life. Rose of Sharon, show me how to grow in beauty in God. 
your love shine through me in the night what a dark dark age we live in but if he's shining through me there ain't no darkness around you because you'll just keep pressing that in front of you and in 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 and around you is just light it's just him just that day star amen wonderful wonderful song amen greet you all in the name of our lord jesus tonight good to see you my this feels like it's so full sometimes same amount of people but sometimes it just feels spread out but Good to see you all. Amen. God bless you tonight. I just got a couple little announcements before we turn to the Word. You can get your Bibles, though, while I do that. We'll be turning to Matthew 15. Thank you, musicians. Appreciate that. That'll be all the singing we'll do. Just take, get it right off of the table. I apologize for the announcement on Sunday morning. Probably confused more than uh, than it helped. <laughs> So I take take the blame for that. My apologies to uh, all our precious American saints and brothers and sisters. But the uh, website has been updated. And so that is indeed the current schedule of the services for the Sunday morning and Sunday evening. So please take heed to that. They start September 13th. Sunday evenings was asked, are we streaming here? Yes, services are streamed here in the evening time as we have normally done for the evening services that have been a Wednesday when they have, uh, Brother John spoke there, we still gather here. So still indeed we'll do that. So just uh, look at the website and and uh, the schedule is, is posted and is live. If there's a little change to it, it's because we might have that young people's weekend and so we'll shuffle the schedule a little bit on the, on the weekend with a Sunday evening and a Wednesday. So that might change, but nonetheless... Right now, it, it as it stands. Saying that, for everyone else um, on a whole, I did make another change on the little booking, and uh, just to take away some of the the preloading of the um, of uh, the early early bookers. <laughs> so you'll see I'm, anybody that's here tonight's going to have seen that there was pre-booked, and then there's same day, and the same day doesn't become active till. The exact times. So there's no way you can load up that cart and then get uh, ready to wake up in the morning. So, uh, sorry, we even the playing field. It's completely even. <laughs> so, so blame me for that one. All right. Well, ready to do battle tonight? <laughs> We're just going to maybe a little take a little subject tonight. Lord, help me. I've just been really. Just looking to him in a big way tonight. Just sometimes some topics you just don't know, Lord, where where am I? How am I going to take this? And 
And I just couldn't get the get the scripture off of my mind. And so I said, Lord, if this is where you want to go, I'm going to I'm following. Lead me, Lord. I'll follow anywhere. <laughs> just I pray he opens that door so I don't hit it when I when I'm going. <laughs> so, so we'll just start. Uh, we'll turn to the word here. That's what we came to hear. His word tonight, Matthew. I'm in Matthew 16. My apologies, I wrote it down here wrong, but it is indeed Matthew 16. I want to start at verse 13. A very familiar scripture. So if it's uh, something that you've heard lots of times, well, sometimes we need to hear it again. Maybe it's for someone else that hasn't really grabbed a hold of it yet, and so you just pull on pull on the word, and these are some just some foundational scriptures and truths that we'll speak to and may the Lord minister to you tonight. Verse 13, when Jesus came unto the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, well, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, but whom do ye say that I am? I know everybody thinks I'm going to keep going. But I'm going to hold it right there. And you can, we're going to have a word of prayer because I want to stop there. And we'll just speak on that a little bit tonight. Who do you say that I am? I'm just going to put it in, in our, our world tonight. Amen. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father. Lord, we're not just looking at words on a page. As a songwriter wrote, we're not just looking at history. But Lord, we are looking at the very word of God living. Lord, today manifested in flesh once again. Lord, this is not a dead book. But this is a living reality, Lord Jesus. And that is our desire tonight. That Lord, it doesn't, it becomes that much more alive to your people tonight, oh God. So Lord, we just take these little scriptures. This is your word, Lord. It's life and life eternal. And so, Lord, would you open it up to us tonight as we just speak about it. We fellowship. We commune with you, Lord Jesus, tonight. May you break the bread. The bread of life tonight to us, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, we commit the service now. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. All right. What a question that was posed to the disciples. Whom do ye say that I am? And I've just had that in my mind. It's just ran over and over. It's just, Who do you say that I am? And we can read it and we can say, well, the next line says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. You could rattle this off because you've probably heard it hundreds of times, but I want you tonight to get past just the rattling. I want you to actually think about it, what was being asked of him, and it's what's being asked of you tonight. Because what do you say? Who is that before Peter is now before you? And so we want to speak a little bit tonight. And he said, and I say also unto thee, verse 18, thou art Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. My goodness, powerful, 
Powerful. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You think you'd want to just focus in on there. If something there that the gates of hell cannot prevail against, I need to access that. Because <laughs> we've got hell pressing it upon us. Its borders are, are not just creeping, they're pressing. And so we want to be right aware. So what is that that the gates of hell cannot prevail against? Amen? So here's a question. What a question. I want to hold that before you. Because I'm at a time where, when I, just when I think what do you, what are you, what do you believe? Jesus is asking, who am I? Who do you say I am? Who do you believe me to be? I'm standing, he had, lots has happened if you actually go back in Matthew and, and all that had transpired. A lot of things had happened there. He's, uh, and we'll maybe get into that in just a little bit. But now they had gone through all these different experiences and now he's going to present the question to them, who do you say I am? So, we can just, this was pressed to now Peter and the disciples, and they had to now make it, they had to say, they had to actually now stand up and, and answer. <laughs> they couldn't just kind of, well, you know, I, I don't know. No, it was, who do you say that I am? They couldn't sidestep it now. Christ was standing right before him saying, now what about you? Okay, so now this becomes a very personal gospel. What do you believe? Well, you know, I'm just going to go with my friends, or I just kind of come into church. No, 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 no. No. Right now, in this day and age, what do you believe? That's where we're at, right? So many different ideas. There's so many different things vying for your attention, vying for your, you know, you know what your, your desires are, and really wanting you to believe. So you're going to believe something. You say, well, even an atheist, no, he believes something. He just believes there's no God. He believes something. You're going to have to believe something. And to believe is to accept something as true or genuine. It's, it's to have a firm or a real wholehearted religious conviction or persuasion, generally in regard to the existence of God as a fact, or to have a con, to firm uh, conviction as to the goodness or the power to produce an effect or to believe in the ability of something. It's, you know, uh, you know a firm conviction in the ability of something. You, you believe that and it's something anchored and you just say, that's... Uh, what I believe in. So this is, you're gonna have, you have to be there. <laughs> you have to be there on something. Ain't no waffling. Okay? Peter couldn't waffle. The disciples couldn't waffle here. At some point, you've gotta make, this is where I stand. Where are you gonna stand? So I want you to ask yourself that. Now, like I said, some people, some of you, you say, I know exactly where I stand. Amen. Because that's where you want to be. We want to be standing on an absolute. We want to be firm on our foundation. Amen. So you just pull on that. You say, I know exactly where I am. And I thank the Lord for that. So you're going to be my puller stand. Amen. <laughs> so because too many of us and the, that have especially grown up in the message or we've been along a long time, you can just kind of carry along and it just becomes very loose. It's not really something you, you just kind of, we come to church. Or we now stream, and we and we just it just becomes something we do, but not something we really believe. And then you have to really ask yourself, oh, is that really, you know? Have I just been here? Is it just been a social thing? After so many years, what actually do I believe? And the disciples were being this asked this at this very moment in time in the scripture. And they'd seen many things. They'd heard many things. Heard people call him a good teacher. Maybe taught some nice things and some parables. 
He'd been called a devil. He's mad. This is Jesus. This is what he's been called. But scripture, different ones in scripture had called him. They wanted to stone him for blasphemy, a lawbreaker of the Levitical law. You go further in scripture, they mocked him. King of the Jews, a little further down scripture now we're at, they reviled him, they wagged his heads. He was illegitimate. So he was scorned and disdained. He was called a lot of things. Good rabbi. Beelzebub. Prince of the devils. Translates actually into one term, Lord of the flies. What a derogatory term that would have been to our Lord. These are the spectrum of things that had been spoken of Jesus Christ. But he's asking Peter and the disciples, but who do you say I am? Revelation, Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you. His response. And Revelation. My apologies. Got to the wrong page. So if they had recognized, if many had recognized and saw Jesus as Beelzebub and a madman and a good rabbi or a good teacher and all these, that's all presented on this side to the disciples and now they're presented, but what are you saying? As we've said, what do you say he is? And they had to recognize something different. Peter had, see, Peter had had his name called and had been discerned. He'd seen man with leprosy being healed, the centurion's servant. Peter's wife's mother was healed. Legion was loosed from his chains. A man of palsy, rise up and walk. Thy sins be forgiven. The hem of the, Jesus' garment had been touched and the lady was healed of her blood issue. The dumb had been healed. The demons cast out. The loaves and fishes twice, 4,000 and 5,000 fed. This was also what had happened. And they still called him Beelzebub. And still called him mad. And still called him of the devil. They'd seen the same thing. One came with this. But when there's a seed inside, light strikes that. And instead of that response, Peter's response is what? Thou art the Christ. Amen? Thou art the Christ. It wasn't something that he was persuaded about. He didn't, he had to be convinced, you know, well, and put some, some, uh, some different argument before him. No, Peter, it was a revelation that hit Peter and said, there's something different. This is the Son of God. Thou art the Christ. You are the anointed Messiah for my day. Amen? Too many people were looking at the flesh of what was before them and not seeing past the veil, as we'll get into. And the veil of flesh was hindering so many people's eyesight, spiritual eyesight, to see what was actually before them. Amen? And it was a revelation that allowed Peter to pierce the veil. It takes a revelation to be able to see past the fleshly veil and say, that's not just a man. That's not a madman. That's not this. That's not just a good teacher. That's the Christ that takes a revelation. Critical. 
Nobody likes to be sitting and left on the outside of something that is somebody knows, you know. Do you have that do you have that slide there, Joseph? Go ahead and put any one of them up. Right? All right. Do we got the image? You don't see it? I don't see your eyes crossing to try and get there either. You're trying? There's something there. There's actually something there. But only certain people can see it. I know you're trying really hard to go, where is it? Somebody give me a hint. Where is it? You know what? I have no clue. I haven't even tried. I haven't tried. There's, because it's something that's hidden. There's something hidden in there for you and for me. And it's, this is similar to a revelation. You can take that down. Because it's something that's veiled. It's hidden underneath something. You, you, don't, you can't see it unless it's revealed to you. Right? And, it's, and then sometimes you can be okay. Well, some of them have different symbols. And if you see things, squares coming out, and then you let that go together, and then the image pops out, and you get coached along. But unless you have no clue, you'll never see it. You'll never see it. And so a revelation, it's an unveiling of something that's been. It's the act of revealing or disclosing. Something revealed or disclosed, especially something that is striking, okay, or something that hadn't, you'd never before realized. Like, oh, a revelation. God's disclosure of himself and his will to his people by revelation. Brother Brown says the importance of revelation by the Spirit to a true believer can never be overemphasized. Can never be overemphasized. Let's go back to the scripture. Because it said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. Let's go to this 18th verse. He said, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Hence why it can never be overemphasized. Amen? Because it means more to you than perhaps you actually realize. That is going to be something that you want to hold on to. Your revelation of who he is. Now, I'm not talking, he says, about the book of Revelation. I'm talking about all revelation. It's tremendously important to the church. He says, do you remember in Matthew? And he speaks about Peter. And he's answered to him, upon this rock. And again, these are very fundamental. Upon this rock of, not Peter, as we know, the different Catholic church takes it. And the church says, the denomination says it's building upon Jesus. But Abraham says, no, it's built upon the rock of revelation of who he was who he is and that's what the gates of hell cannot prevail against it the gates of hell can prevail against your thoughts your memories it can prevail against your imaginations it can prevail against these things your memories it can prevail against you but it can't prevail against the revelation that you have of him that's why it is so vital to have that nothing can shake a, re- a true revelation. Scripture says in Revelation 6, it says, I'll just back up. Brother Brown says, faith is a revelation from God. Faith is a revelation. There's where I want to stay. He's in just a moment. He's revealed it to you by his grace. It's nothing you did. It's nothing you did. You can't conjure up a revelation. You can't do that. You can't just try and get it. You can look at that as long as you want, and, and it might come. It might come there, but faith 
can't, won't come by any amount of time. Okay? It's not going to be. He says, if you ever have faith, it's given to you by the grace of God. Isn't that beautiful? And God reveals it to you. Therefore, faith is a revelation. The whole church of God is built upon it. It's given to you by the grace of God. It just takes all the stress and the strain and anything about it. Because he's the one who's going to give that to you. He's the one who will pour that revelation in upon you. It's not something you can do. It's not by your works. But it's by his grace that he pours that in. Amen? But, uh, the Revelation 6, 5 says... And he opened the third seal, and I heard the beast say, Come and see. The third beast said, Come and see. And beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Brother Brown talked about this, and I was just so, I just so thrilled me. Because we, if you dig in the scripture, and now younger people, you just zone right in here. This might be coming flying a little bit higher than what you're, what you're uh, expecting, but you just dig it right in. But Abraham says, the oil, we know the oil is the Holy Spirit. And the wine is revelation. Okay? Because wine is a stimulation. Okay? If you read, this is just, this is message. You ain't in the me- if you don't know this, get in the message, because this is, this is where we're at. The oil, as we took it, but Abraham says, it means the Holy Spirit. And the wine is connected together in the Bible. He says, in worship, wine is stimulation. Wine stimulates, okay? What the, stimulates the church? Revelation. And Brother Branham, he talk, talks about, he's, and the scripture says, hurt not the oil and the wine. And it came out from the midst of the four beasts, okay? Now catch this here. Jesus, this was a dark age that this was coming in. It was the black horse rider, okay? Third seal, black horse rider. It was death. It was coming through, and it was a very dark time. But out of the midst of the beast, it wasn't a beast, but it was in the, from the midst of the beast would have been Jesus Christ saying, don't hurt the oil and the wine. You can't touch the revelation of who I am. You're not going to attack, you're not going to be able to attack that. Stay away from it, devil. You have no right to tap in and ruin and tarnish who I am to my believers. Okay? This is came from the center. From the midst of the four beasts. So God is protecting that. Satan can't attack a true revelation. It's off limits. That's why when you access that, when God drops that in your heart, it is un, it, it's untouchable. That's all the importance of actually having a personal, real, true, revealed experience of who Jesus Christ is for you. It's over. It's a finished work because Satan can't even attack it. Jesus himself said, don't touch the wine. Don't touch the oil. It's off limits. You've all had it. I'm sure, I'm sure many believers, you have, you have to have had that moment. When that just light bulb moment goes on. And the Lord shows you something, you're like, Wow incredible and it just stirs your heart like my goodness i didn't see that before that's the wine that's the stimulation from revelation that god is showing you something he's like look at this and he just wants to show you oh my goodness i just never saw that that's the wine and god says satan you can't touch that he'll never be able to take that from you
I'm going to speed ahead and pass my notes. I need to find out where it went. Amen. So how important? How important is revelation? But Abraham says, rapture is a revelation to her. That's how important it is. That's your ticket out of here. Rapture is a revelation to her. It's revealed to her. So, oh, I'm, I'm in the rapture. How am I going to? No, no, no. Because it's by grace. He drops that in. He drops in the revelation, the faith needed for that next step. He'll take care of that. And then no one can touch it. No, no devil, no nothing. The revelation to the true body of Christ will be waiting for the revelation of the rapture. Amen. Is that where we are right now? We're waiting, Lord. Come quickly. Drop that in as soon as possible. Amen. It's getting pretty, pretty dark. Amen. So, now, what was hindering the others that were seeing, which, let's go back a little bit, the others that were looking at Christ and saying all the different names, Peter and the disciples, Peter says, thou art the Christ. The other ones are saying, you're a devil. But there was something hindering them from seeing past that. And we talked about it's a veil. They could not see past the veil of flesh before them. And so, but Abraham says, they find that the Jews had just so polluted the system that God had given them in his word until there was no sincerity no more in their sacrifices. Brother Murphy spoke on sincerity. Though they carried it out letterly and they made their sacrifices, nothing any sweeter than God accepting a substitute when man had sinned and God accepted a substitute full of grace. He was to do such a thing. And they'd come and they'd come to the, the temple and they would bring their offering and all sincerity. You know, that was the atonement for their sin. That's, that was what God had placed in order for them to do, and they had needed to go, they took a, they took a lamb, and they went to the, went to the temple, or they made a sacrifice, and they put their hands on the, on the bleeding lamb, and the throat was cut, and that was what God had gave them as a, propiti- a propitiation for their sin. It was a substitute. And when the Jew came down the road as a bullock or his lamb to offer a sacrifice, he did it from the bottom of his heart, and it was a great thing. But after a while... It became a family tradition. It became a family tradition. And they just went down. They offered the bullock. Well, it's getting time for the sacrifice, so we'll just go down and offer this certain bullock. And it become a tradition. And that, Brother Bram talks about a lot. What a device that can come up because that is a huge hindrance for you to be able to see past the veil is a tradition. And because you build up, and I said, Lord, are we, help us that we don't just get into something that we are so sincere about. And our first, we talk about the first love, and Brother Murphy, I was speaking with sincerity, and it has become, have, you, you need to look in your own life, say, has, have, has my walk become just a family tradition? We've got to reassess that because it cannot be a tradition. Because that veil of tradition hindered, hindered them from seeing Jesus Christ before them. Amen. A tradition is something that's inherited or in an established or customary pattern of thought or action. 
So we just established this customary time. You know, we, we do this. We go to church every Sunday. We just have this custom. And we do this. They got, they, they got in that with a lamb. They got in that with a sacrifice. And it just became something they did. Let's go take the bullock and make a sacrifice. And that's the reason, but Abraham says, they didn't recognize Jesus because their traditions had twisted away. This is where they are at. This is where they are at. Everything that they had been waiting for, all that that Moses and all the scriptures and all the prophets and all the prophecies and all the Psalms and everything had been laid in scriptures and they read it and all all that was there... And because it just became some customary, some of the laws that they were, they just did it every week, it barriered them completely from actually seeing it revealed to them in their day. The manifestation of it was there, and they didn't see it. And they missed it. Don't let a tradition make you miss God revealed in this hour. That's really where it lands, doesn't it? They thought Messiah would come, no doubt, build a temple. He said, they built the temple. They come down the court. He'd come down the corridors of heaven and beat the angelic band and he'd come like that. But their scriptures said totally different. He said he'd be born in a manger. Born where cows and animals. Little box of straw was supposed to be an illegitimate birth. Born of a virgin. Father not married. And the devil painted an awful picture for them. And he said, oh, man, like that? No, what school did he come from? Where did he get his education? You know, where he was, his daddy was a carpenter. They missed the whole thing because of their tradition. It wasn't for lack of sanctity or lack of their carnal righteousness or whichever. That wasn't, that wasn't the case. They were the best, best Christians you could you'd have, right? So it wasn't that. But the, their traditions had blocked them from seeing it actually manifest before them. I want you to just look at that at yourself. An area, Lord, don't let my walk just become a traditional walk. This is just something I do. It better not be something you do because you've missed it. You've missed God revealed in this day if this is just a traditional walk for you. 100%. Scripture said, traditions of men, it's, it makes the word of God to none effect. Which is a pretty powerful scripture. And it hinders you to be able to see the word of God for your day, okay? So, Brother Brown says, anything. He says, when, them, when Jesus come, the Pharisees and Sadducees and educators look where they are at. They're religious, mm-hmm. holy, mm-hmm. my, you couldn't put a finger on their life. But you see, they were unbelievers. Anything that doubts one punctuation of God's word is an unbeliever. One punctuation. It's all or nothing. Everything or nothing. One little bit. It was happening right at the beginning because it was one little word that turned the whole world upside down. One punctuation, he said, of God's word is an unbeliever. I don't care how religious you are. Satan's religious too, he says. You've got to believe the word. And if you got the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will punctuate every word, every sentence with an amen, and it'll never take from it. Amen. He says, it'll believe it. Right? So because you're not saved with catechism, you're not saved with just, well, I believe a message. Young people, you're not just saved with saying, I believe a message, I believe a prophet, I believe. No, you're not just saved 
But Abraham says, you're not just saved by knowing the catechism. You're not saved by joining a church. You're not saved by coming to here. You've heard it over and over and over again, and we'll say it over and over and over again because you've got to hear it over and over again. You are not saved because you attend Clover the Bible Way. You're not saved because you say, I believe a message. It's not what you're saved. He says, you're not even saved. You're not saved by knowing the Bible. So I know my Bible. You're not saved. You're not saved by knowing this. I hate, hate to break it to everybody. You are saved by knowing him. Him and him alone. You're saved by knowing Christ. Peter said, thou art the Christ. That has to be your confession and revelation because you can't just say, I know my scriptures. I know my scriptures. So did the priests. So did the Pharisees. So did many other wonderful Israelites and Hebrews. They knew these scriptures better than me. Backwards, forwards, left, right, up, upside down, whatever way. But they missed them. They missed them. Horrible. Everything they waited for and they missed them. Grab a hold of that. This was the Lamb of God that was come to save the world. This was their Messiah. Our Messiah. And they missed it. God help us. It's not worth missing. <laughs> like it should take everything within us. Say, Lord, I do not want to miss that. I don't want to miss the word in my day. Because it got presented then to everyone else at, as, it, as it came down. And Jesus was brought before Pilate. And all the crowds, Jesus was put on, put on display. And what were they seeing? A very tiny little fraction was seeing Christ. A very tiny fraction. But I'll get to the, a quote here. God desired to be seen. I'll get to the quote. God veiled in Jesus to do the work of redemption on the cross. God could not die. As a spirit, he's eternal, but he had to put on a mask and act the part of death. He did die, but he couldn't do it in his God form. He had to do it in son form as son of man on earth. All right. He had to come in a form that he could then take the punishment of sin. And so he came as a son of man. You will have heard that term because it's in scripture and you're going to hear it in the message. Young people, you need to get on the unveiling of God. If you're like, I don't know what the Son of Man is. You get into the scriptures and you get into the message. Okay, this is where we're at. Son of Man on earth. Because he had to become flesh to be able to be a sacrifice. All right? He said he was Elohim, the eternal, but in him was thoughts. And he wanted to become material. Think about this. God wanted to become material. He wanted to become something tangible that we could touch and feel. He said, and what did he do? He spoke a word, and the word was materialized. And he said he bred this, and he brought this one here, and he brought this one here, and he brought this together here, and he just built it and built it and built it until he became its Elohim materializing so he can be touched and feel. That's what God desired. He said, I want to come down so I can be touched and felt and materialized. And so he came down as son of man to be able to accomplish this. And this is what was rejected. The vast majority of Israel was standing there and they were missing and rejecting this in front of them. 
Why was this... I want to talk about the shift. Because although they had been following, and we talked about all their temple, and all their temple worship, and all the different... Uh, different things they would have done in their tradition and the atonement and they, the priest would come in and once a year he would go through all the different um, duties and he would put on a right robe and he'd be perfumed and he would once a year go into the holiest of holies and he'd take blood and prepare an offering and he'd put the pomegranates on his leg and he'd go into the inner veil in the holiest of holies and he'd present an, an atonement for Israel and if it wasn't accepted, it was death. All right? And here before them was coming a major shift. Because God was coming before them. wasn't just their Messiah was coming now, not just to, just to materialize, but he was coming to be a sacrifice. And he was all the types and shadows. And everything that, had built, uh, that God had put in to type what he was going to be doing now was happening. And there was a major change coming. And people were missing the change. Brother Bram said, how could God have mercy on foul sinners as us when he hid himself was a mystery and now it's in plain view or in full view revealed by his word. It's always the word constantly that God is. That it's God. It's the word that opens up. If those peoples would have known the word of God that day when Jesus died, they would have seen the mercy seat. The mercy seat was behind the veil. The mercy seat, only the priest could go in. Only he could offer the blood, the, the, the atonement. And he could only bring the blood and he could sprinkle it. Only he could. Because if, if anyone else went in, they died. Right. Period. No one could go in there. Only the priest. And Brother Brown was saying, Jesus died that they would have seen the mercy seat. They would have seen who he was. Here, what a, what, a, what a major moment that they were missing. He said, who was that then? Why did the veil rent? Remember, it was death to go into it. Nobody could see it. Moses saw it in form. It was a whirl. It was a bat, man's back. Well, here it is, a bleeding back, the same man. What was it? God wanted to show them the mercy seat. God wanted to show them who he was. He wanted them to see, I am, I am the Messiah. He wanted them to see, I am the atonement. I'm the propitiation. I'm the sacrifice for your sin. Not just a substitute in a lamb and the desire still there, but I'm everything. I can remove the desire. I'm he. He wanted to show them the mercy seat. God wanted to show who he was. So the veil in the temple from the hand of God above was rent from top to bottom and showed God in plain view. It was Jesus Christ hanging on the cross, the mercy seat. And what was it? The people were too blind to see it. Oh my Lord. Here it was, God, 2,000 years worth of time, well more than that, sorry, 4,000 years worth of time. God moving and this person to that person and making this happen here. Prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. This And coming to a point, to a pinnacle and moving people and, and having certain ones born and this and this person collided with this person. And this event happened all to come to this moment. God wanted the mercy seat himself to be revealed and unveiled before them. And they were too blind to see it. And they weren't just missing, they were missing Christ, but they were missing the place of atonement was changing from the inner holiest of holies and this, and the temple worship. And it was moving from there to Christ. 
that was a that's that was a bit of a major miss because they just continued temple worship and this but there was no atonement there there was no atonement in that action it used to but not anymore because the veil was rent into and now atonement and the sacrifice for sin was here and you had to believe on this this was no more that was the word for their day and they were missing it and they continued to do their worship scripture says the people draw nigh to me with their mouth but jesus saying and honor me with their lips but in their heart is far from me but in vain they do worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men they worship in vain it was now on christ and their worship was in vain it didn't matter what their lip service and deeds were. God had one place of worship, and that was under the bleeding, bloody word. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that's where atonement was. As that veil ripped, ripped in two from top to bottom, and it was wide open. And here he was hanging on a cross, and as Brother Brandon would say, they're reading the Psalms, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the temple veil is rent in two, and he's hanging on a cross, and they're not even seeing it happen. You say, well, that's 2,000 years ago. You better watch it. Because it's happening right now, today. Can you imagine the temple veil renting in two? What would that... Something should have shooken somebody. Said Something major is happening right now. The veil, the temple veil, which would not just be tiny, it was pretty large. Rent from the top to the bottom. Man couldn't do that. No one was climbing up there to do that. Something did that. Something supernatural rent the veil in two, signifying your, your, your traditions of man are nothing. They mean nothing to me. It's over. I am the sin offering. And it was wide open. And the real materialized mercy seat was exposed to all, for all to see as he hung on the cross. Fulfilling every scripture, every type, and every shadow. And all of it came in the climax here is Christ toward the veil. To reveal who he was. What a moment in time. What a moment. Revelation says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. He rose. I have the keys of death and hell. What a moment in time. Mercy that had been found on an altar in a temple was now obtained through Calvary's sacrifice and by our risen Savior. This is where it had turned, all right? And you could answer, he could have answered Peter's question and said, Peter, he says, thou art the Christ. He said, indeed, I am the Christ. I am the one that's come from heaven and I will send to heaven and I'm going to send now the Holy Ghost so that he can fill you and do you with power. That's exactly who he was. Peter had, had nailed it with revelation from God. And so the first church now went out with fire and with passion as we talked about the last few services. And the Holy Ghost filled churches, raised right up, and they started to move. Why? Because something had been revealed to them. This was Christ now in our day. This is the word in our day. It's not from dead traditions, but now it's in Jesus Christ. And that stimulated them with that revelation, and off they went. Amen. That tree, but around says it was planted and it was doing great work. We know they went about everywhere. The day of Pentecost, 3,000 souls saved and added and baptized and went to the church and how great fellowship they had. And everybody wasn't, nobody needed nothing. Everybody was kind, good hearted and another way that, and, and, and one another. And they was all one big family. Oh, wonderful. 
but the seed then had to die. Here, that first church came up, and then it had to die. The seed had to be planted. He said it died in the dark ages, down into the dark dirt. And they thought it was gone. Scripture said, Jesus said, except a corn of wheat fall on the ground, it abides alone. So here, the dark, the church ages then turned over to the Gentile age, the Jews blinded and missed it and missed the Messiah and the word in their day. Blinded for you and me. And so it went down into the dark ages and that worm, palmer worm, locust, canker worm, caterpillar, just started eating away at those, in those churches and eating away at the church. And it started to tear that down. I'm not going to go into that, into any depth, I should say. But Abraham said that Roman caterpillar started eating on the bride tree and it took away all of its roots. Cut it all the way back to everything. He cut the tree right off like he did Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. He cut the bride right down and started out in creeds and denominations. Same old bug. Oh, he says its roots. But in its roots was a predestinated seed. The royal seed of Abraham could not die. He said, I will restore, saith the Lord, is what scripture says. What all the years that the caterpillar cut off, all that the locusts eaten, all that the rest of the bugs had eat up, I will restore it back, saith the Lord. Why? Because all through the ages we said, you can't touch the oil and the wine. You can't touch that. So that is that life is going to live. It can't disappear. It can't be attacked. It can't be annihilated. It's going to go all the way through. It didn't matter how dark it went, how small that little group was. It still was there. The life was still there because there's predestinated seeds that were still holding on to that. And it came right through that time. Satan could not eat out the life, no matter what he threw at it. But what was happening all through those ages as this? Seeds of the Nicolaitanisms and the uh, Nicolaitanism and the and just I won't go into all all of that because that's a message and how many on its own, but that veil was being put back together by all the dogmas, all the creeds, false baptism, purgatory, Trinity, all of this man's ideas, and that veil just started to be sewn up sewn up traditions, this, and started to get sewn up. And the veil started to get more, closing up, closing up, and closing up. But I will restore. I will restore. It was almost dead. Almost dead in the ages. But Abraham says, in that winter kill, the sun restores. I'm, uh, I just thought this quote was incredible. Returning of the sun, what does it do? It forces, listen, he said, it forces death. Ready? When the sun, the spring sun, sunshine comes back in, in, in line on the earth again, it actually forces death to give up the dead. Oh my. It for, it didn't matter how dark it got in the dark ages. When the sun started to shine and scripture started to come manif- manifest, say, I will restore. I don't really care how much this worm ate and this worm ate. There's life in there. And the S-O-N started to shine on that. And it forces death to give it up. And it starts, started to rise. Amen? Said to a resurrection, to what? A restoration. To restore again. What it does, the sun coming. He said, that's God's law. Amen. Amen. That's those dry bones. They started to come. What are you going to do? Prophesy. They're sitting there in the dead. Just dry, crusty, nothing bones. Can these dry bones live? You see, he goes, 
Thou knowest. Prophesy. Again, it's what he said. And what did it start to do? It started to bring the, bring the sinew and bring the flesh and bring the skin. And what though? It needed that breath of God and the breath of life came through and it forced the dead, forced that life to come right back up again. It didn't, Satan thought he had it and it didn't. It, Luther, Wesley, and it started to rise. It started to rise forth. And here we are now coming now to where we are in this day. His word is the only thing that has power to raise the dead. Quickening power to raise the dead. Just as it raised him from the dead. It's that same spirit that dwells in you. It shall quicken your mortal body. Amen. Regardless. But Abraham says how little you are. How low you are. How impure you are. How unholy you are. How sick you are. How afflicted you are. The law of God's spirit by his word makes it obey him. Forces the issue and says give it back. <laughs> give it back. The law of God forces the issue and says, give it back, devil. You can't hold on to it. So I, it's mine. I will restore it. Oh, he says, if we could just think on that for a minute, it forces it regardless of conditions, no matter what the condition, the law of God's word forces the condition to cope with his word. What's your situation tonight? Because it forces that to cope with God's word. If God's word says you're healed, if God's word says you're delivered. If God's word says, I'm your sin offering, what is, what is, what's your need? What's your cry? It forces the issue. It forces the condition to cope with his word. Amen. All right. Here we go. You ready? We'll take a turn. Familiar scripture. Luke 17, 26 to 30. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark. Verse 28, likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day Lot went out of Sodom and rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Very familiar scripture. Even thus shall it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. All right. So, we can point back to Jesus' day. Let's say the Son of Man, prophet, ministry, God in a, in a prophet office, Son of Man ministry, in Jesus' day, he's fulfilling that. All right? And we know, thus it shall be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. What day is that? What day is that? It's this day. We've got to put ourselves in Scripture. If, you, if you're just, if it's just like an old book and well, it's just history and it's just stories. No, 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 that's not just history and stories. That's trying to show you where you are. That's why a prophet had to come so he could actually place you and say, "Hey, this is where we are." That's what is happening right here. Even thus it shall be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So there was a revealing of Jesus Christ to come again. If he was Son of Man there, he's going to come again and be revealed in a day. What day? When? The same day Lot went out of Sodom, as it was in the days of Lot, as it was in the days of Noah. Please explain to me, are we in those days? Sometimes, some scripture is very clear. Some scripture is very clear. 
We are in a wicked, wicked day. Yes, indeed it is, as it was in the days of Lot. And if the Son of Man back then, now let's just look at this. If the Son of Man ministry, if Jesus Christ, when he was there, back when he was crucified, and the veil was rent, and the veil was rent then, and the traditions that barred the Israel from seeing Christ, what's gonna, what, what about this day and age? What about in the Gentile age? What veil is there that's hindering people from seeing through the flesh, through the veil, that is stopping people from actually seeing God in this day? We can hear it often, often, often. You've heard the messages often. And I'm going to, someone, I don't know who, who it's for, young people. You can sit in your seats. You can sit in your couch at home and don't get glazed over and you hear, oh, son of man, that's super deep. No, it's not super deep. You just need to get in the scripture. Ezekiel, that's just where we quoted. That's what God called his prophets, son of man. So that is a, a prophet office or a prophet ministry the son a son of man is and that's what jesus came as son of man when he came and that's why he was healing the sick discerning the hearts these were he was showing who he was these were his characteristics as a son of man and so here he was thou art peter oh i saw you under the tree nathaniel in a man who has no guile Woman at the well. Why do you think the prophet went over these over and over and over again? Because he's trying to point you back and say, here and here is the same. God is trying to say, this is me here. I was sitting with the woman at the well here. And I called out, you have four husbands and the fifth is not yours. And go through all of her life and said, how do you know these things? He's here pointing back to here. And then he stands on the pulpit and he says, I'll turn my back. And he talks about Abraham and Sarah as his back was turned. Why did you laugh, Sarah? And then he stands over here, says, my back is turned. So-and-so, this is your problem. This is your name. You at the back corner. This is your issue. What is he doing? It's the son of man saying, this is me there and this is me here. I am the same one. I'm being revealed. Scripture is being revealed right now. This is where we're at. This is our day. This is our age, young people, old people. I don't care who. This is where we're living over and over again. That's why the prophet did it, trying to say this, God, trying to say, this is me. But are you hindered at the veil? Are you stuck not being able to see through the veil of flesh? Israel did. Beelzebub, madman. And he's doing everything the scripture said he would do. If you don't believe me, believe my works. They testify of who I am. And the same thing is happening in our day. In our day. Lord, help me with this one. The temple worship and the sacrifice that they made on the altar... And the priest going there, it didn't know good anymore when Jesus' sacrifice on Calvary was made. It didn't know good anymore. They had to look and live at Jesus Christ. That was the word for that day. That's where propitiation was. That's where atonement was for the word in that day. In this day, 
if God has now revealed himself again in a message and he has over and over and over again said, this is who I am. See the scripture? Here I am today. This is me. This is also me. Where is propitiation today? It's going to be in this message. Because that's where God revealed himself. That's where God revealed himself in this day. And he adequately and completely unveiled himself and said, this is me. Believe on this and you shall be saved. It's not Luther's day. It's not Wesley's day. It's not back back in, in 2,000 years ago. It's right today. God is saying, this is me on display. Now, this is the message for your day. Believe on me. Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's where the atonement is. It's in the word for our day. Which is in this. This is Christ for our day. That's why it goes, and it has to go back to scripture every single time. Because that's the word. That's who he is. That's why Brother Branham would go back to the word, back to the word. Because he's showing us and revealing to us Christ in our hour. How important that we catch it. Because they had to catch it in Jesus' day. We have to catch it in our day. Or our traditions of making it of none effect. We're at the end time. There, there's no more left. There's, no, there's nothing left to be done. In fact, Brother Branham says, if I can find it here. But he said, yes, here it is. He said, the hour is here. We mustn't trifle with this great thing that God has given us. The infallible proofs that Jesus Christ alive today after 2,000 years away. This is this, is this message. Don't... don't don't get where it becomes, ah, this is just, it's the message. Ah, no, it's Christ. It's the word unveiled today. That's what it is. It's Bible again. It's Jesus Christ that was in the scripture again today. Don't just put it into, well, it's a book or, or it's just Brother Brown's preaching. No, it was God unveiled before us today. That's what it is. And Brother Brown says, won't you come? He says, the church is receiving its last gift. This is the last thing that will come to the church before the coming of Christ, according to the word of God. Jesus said, as it was in days of Lot, this is the last. This is it. I, I searched through the scripture. I, I just searching through, through the, uh, through the message. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I know it's done many, many times here because we just keep hitting over the years, wanting our, our, Young people and our people and all, every one of us to grasp what God is doing in our day. But my goodness, when he goes through and he starts discerning the hearts of the people. It just is the most incredible thing to me. But do it, doesn't we just like glaze over? Because it's time after time after time after time. Hundreds and thousands of times it was done. It should catch us. And we need to be penetrating and seeing past the veil. That's why I asked, who do you say I am? 
Because Christ is in this day again. You are now asked the question. Jesus Christ presented himself to his disciples and to the world then. And he sat and Pilate looked at him and the people said, and he says, what do I do with this Jesus called Christ? And he tried to wash his hands of it. No, it won't work. It won't work to wash your hands of Christ. His blood is on your hands. And Peter, by a revelation that came from Almighty God, could stand there and say, Thou art the Christ. And today, I pray, God, drop in the hearts of those that need don't have a real, true revelation of who you are. May they stand and say, Oh God, drop that down by your grace. Drop that revelation into my, into my heart so that I can identify you in my day and say, that's the Christ, the Son of the living God. Come and be real to you so you can't be shaken. It don't really matter. You're starting school, a bunch of young people, and you're going to be doing things at home and going back and forth. And you're going to have to have a rock solid revelation of your word in this day to make it. Not this waffle. Off, waffling isn't going to get you nowhere. Because we don't have time to waffle back and forth. Musicians, you can come. Let's come to a close here. Oh, better and sister. Abraham says that's what the Jews did when the veil was rent and brought God in plain view. Hanging on the cross, he was in plain view, but they couldn't see it. He says, could it be possible that the Gentiles did the same thing? Oh, God. When they've had the church ages and the Son of God, but when they now veil the veil of these denominations and things, the veil of tradition that they've got since Pentecost, when the church traditions has been rent, the things that the people said, days of miracles has passed, these things, oh, we don't need a, we don't need a prophet. What's this, what's the message? You're saying that that's the only thing. Whatever you want to say, like I said, the veil is getting sewed back up. And God has took the veil off of it and brought it in plain view and they're ready to crucify it again just exactly the unveiled god plain view they should have seen him standing there yet he was too common he was an ordinary man and they couldn't see it and there stood a man well that's just some guy what school did he come from are we catching it are we actually catching what he's saying the unveiled god in plain view again in this day in this day, in our hour, and we've got to, God help us, see past the veil of our tradition, of everything that did, through the ages had come up. And we don't, we don't have all these de- denominational, and you know, th- that's not what Brother Branham was dealing with that there. We don't necessarily have that here, but that can creep in and just becomes just this little system, a little, this is what we do, as I've said. And we've got our, you know, all our different blocks in a row. And is that hindering you from actually seeing the mighty God unveiled before us in this day? But there's a predestinated seed, like a Peter. And I'm challenging those that do not, have not seen, aren't saying, I, I'm, just, you know, I'm just floating. You need to challenge yourself and say, what are you believing in? Jesus is standing before you. Whether you know it or not, the word is on display again and he's standing before you 
And he's saying, who do you say I am? The word is on display and it's unveiled. It's wide open. There's nothing hindering it. It was, it was over and over and over again unveiled before us. And God is saying, Jesus Christ is saying, who do you say I am? I know many could lift up your hands and say, thou art the Christ. Thou art the son of the living God. Thou art my Messiah. Thou art my, my atonement. Thou art the sacrifice that took my sins. When you look at the, when you look at me, you look at the cross because I claimed the blood. That's, that's who I see. Amen. And that's, I know all, all of our, many of our, our, t- our testimonies. But I want those that do not, I want you to stop and say, who do I say? Who do I say? I could go and have the notes on Queen of Sheba and all that. We won't get into it. But it's an individual decision because it has to be an individual walk. It has to be a personal revelation of who he is for you. And I challenge you, if you don't have that, you get on your knees and you have a personal conference with God. We're not here just to get by. We're not here just to get by. Just go to church and no, we're here to save souls. God's here to save souls. He's looking for the lost. And as a servant of God, we're standing here, Lord, across the pulpit. We're going to preach. We're looking to let your Holy Spirit go out and find the lost soul. We're looking and trying to strive. God's Spirit is striving because he's looking and waiting. And he's wanting his word to go forth and catch it and say, who am I to you? You say, you're the Christ. Yes, sir. Because that's the revelation you need in this day. Amen. Amen. That's the time we live in. Better Brandon preached a message. Greater than Solomon is here over and over again. These are, these are all truths that lay in the message. And I, I wanted to get into it because if you, once you come to that point, Better Brown preaches in the message convinced and concerned. Because when you, when you get that revelation, then you're now on fire. And then you're now going to go forth. Peter stepped forth from that. Nothing stopped him now. Nothing stopped him. Something anchored deep. Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. He was so convinced. It wasn't just a convincing because it was that revelation and it anchored so deep. Peter and all the uh, disciples went out and that's the life that God will drop in you. Nothing will sway you. Nothing will deter you. You are going to be a firebrand for God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. You got to put in a lot into a short little hour, and we skim across a lot of different things. And I know you could go into some of these thoughts for a long time. But I pray the Lord just for somebody that is searching, somebody that is just maybe not quite there. I want you to just say to yourself, "Who do I say this Christ is before me today? Have I recognized Him, or is there a veil? Have I got a veil? Have I got some traditional veil? Have I got some things that I'm doing? Is it just in front of me, and I'm, it's not? I'm not able to see through." Lord, break the veils tonight. Break down anything that is hindering somebody from being able to see you. And may a real revelation drop into your heart tonight. Amen. I want to, uh, maybe we'll sing the same, same God tonight. Brother Brown, he says, don't, Brother Brown, I said, I have a note here. I said, to just don't push it off if you don't if you don't know him. Brother Branham says, he says, if you're looking for something to come to pass, 
that's already here, it's going to pass you. And you don't know it. You're trying to place it in the future sometime. You're like, well, it'll happen some other day or I'll get there some other day. And I know you've probably heard that lots of times too. Uh, you know, just I'll just do it tomorrow. Don't put off. Minister said, don't put off till tomorrow. No, this is serious. This is life and death. This is what it is. He says, you're trying to place it in the future. Little did they know Elijah was Elijah till he was dead. Little did they know Elisha was until he was gone. Little did they know that John was. Even the disciples didn't know. And I had this in my notes as well. The scripture. It said, well, some say Elias must come. Elias must come. <laughs> Jesus said, uh-huh. Elias first must come indeed. And has come already. And the disciples missed it. The disciples missed it. He said he's already come. He didn't know him. And he goes over. Different ones through history that people thought were, he says, talks about St. Francis of Assisi and Joan of Arc and all these different ones. He says, don't let this pass you. He said, it's not me, it's him. Don't let this blessed resurrected presence pass you by. And you're looking at it and the devil pointing you in the future when it's right here, right now. And I said, Lord, that's my prayer tonight. Don't let this pass us by. I know those of us that have consecrated and we know our anchor is set deep. And we can look at it, look on look on his word and we're and it just thrills our heart and that wine pours in and we're stimulated with the revelation as God opens up his word to us. And but I'm saying to those, don't let this pass you by you. That's not where you are. Don't let this blessed resurrected presence pass by and you're looking at it. Amen. Amen. Maybe a little bit of a narrowed in message tonight pray that it just maybe just struck someone to maybe just think a little bit about where their where your walk is because like i said we're we're here to do battle we're not here just to preach a preach a nice sermon and amen and go home no we need to think about lord am i seeing you in your reality in my day that's where we are today because he's the same god then as he is today and he can be as real as he was then to the disciples and as a fervent revelation then he's the same one today and he can be just as real and just as present to you today amen let's sing that oh i look back on history seen a mighty god
God of the woman at the well is the same God that's living in you. That same one that's unveiled, he's living in you to tell the world that he is the same today. What's that song? What's that song? Huh? Is that the one? Living in me to tell the world that he is the same? Yeah, what's us just sing that song. He's alive. There he is. He's alive and well. He isn't a dead God in history. He's not a dead God in history. He's got to be living God, living in you to tell what? The world. That convinced Peter why out there and told the world. He's the same. He's the Christ. Go out there and tell the world. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever in my life. And he can be the same in your life. Amen, Charity? Amen. <laughs> Let's sing that. Oh, he's alive. And well, he's living in me to tell the world, oh, that he is the same, oh, he's the same yesterday. kind of keeps going and going and you can sing it over and over again <laughs> amen i wish i could hear you all at home everybody i just i don't even get the zoom on wednesday night so i don't even get to see the the precious brothers and sisters from the states and i so it's just it's my loss but i greet you and i praise the same in your home and his presence is the same in your home oh i don't care which country you're in amen that he is here in each of our lives amen let's bow our heads heavenly father Lord, your word is so rich and so full. 
can't even comprehend, Lord Jesus. Just going through the scriptures and your message over the last few days, Lord. I, Lord, we just need you to open it up, oh God. Lord, and just I pray, Lord, maybe just a little bit, little thought on a Wednesday night service. Lord, that we could be different ones, Lord, if there's something pricked their little heart. Lord, and they could ask themselves the question, who do I say this is? What does this mean to me? Who is Jesus Christ? Am I seeing Jesus Christ in my day? Lord Jesus, may it just prick their little soul. Lord, so that the most important thing, Lord, that could ever happen is that you reveal themselves to you in such a personal way. There's no wishy-washy, Lord, up and down, Lord, because when it becomes an anchored revelation, Lord, it's an over and finished work, and Satan cannot ever touch the revelation, O oh God, that they have of you. Lord Jesus, I pray, I commit your people, they're precious, Lord, to me. I was thinking, Lord, of how, how I love them so much as I was studying, and how your word says, Lord, even if you offend one of my little ones, it's worse that a millstone would be put around their ne- the neck of that person and dropped into the sea. Oh God, that's what you care, how much you care about your people. They're your holy people. And oh God, I don't speak to them. Lord, I speak to them with such reverence, Lord, and love, Lord, for they're yours. And you've brooded over them and you, you've molded them and you're moving them. Lord, touch their hearts, I pray. May your Holy Spirit, Lord, just overshadow them as they go home. And, and maybe as they ponder, Lord, tonight in your word, I pray. I commit the evening and the message and your word into your hands, Lord, to do as you desire. Lord, you took seven loaves and it became 4,000, oh God. Lord, take your word tonight. If it was just a couple little loaves of bread, Lord, but you can multiply it, Lord, into the hearts and souls of your people, I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Amen. God bless you, little one. I heard that back there. Amen. God bless you, Brother Okello. <laughs> wonderful. I love you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you, Lord willing, on Sunday, Labor Day. One service, of course, on Labor Day. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.